I'm Eric Priante Martin, and this is Green Seas, the podcast by Tradewinds about the environment and the business of the ocean. Here at Green Seas, we've been telling you about the topic at the top of the agenda at the UN Shipping Regulator, greenhouse gas emissions. And at the International Maritime Organization, there's been progress toward what could become an agreement in July on setting more ambitious targets to cut shipping's carbon emissions. Here's an IMO recording of Secretary General Kitak Lim closing a week of deliberations at its Marine Environment Protection Committee. You have done your best to the progress of decarbonization, taking into account IMO's commitment to conclude the revision of the strategy July 2023. I say motor vessel decarbonization, maritime decarbonization is set to sail toward her final destination. But there was another topic on the committee's agenda that received much less attention and made even less progress a request by environmental groups to ban exhaust gas scrubbers. Those are the devices that allow ships to use heavy fuel oil, which is otherwise prohibited because of a global cap on sulfur emissions that was imposed at the start of 2020. Groups that make up the Clean Arctic Alliance complain that scrubbers, while taking harmful sulfur oxides out of the exhaust that billows out of ships' funnels, are putting dangerous substances into the sea. And they said, that conflicts with the UN Convention on the Law of the Sea, which protects oceans from pollution. Ilko Lehmans, a technical advisor for the Clean Arctic Alliance, said he was disappointed that no progress was made toward a ban in sensitive areas like the Arctic, though he said that it was important that the committee did refer the Law of the Sea issue to the IMO's legal division. Scrubbers emerged from a regulation known as IMO 2020 which ratcheted down the content of sulfur oxides that was allowed in marine fuels to just 0.5%. And before that, emissions control areas that limited the pollutant in certain areas. Scrubbers were developed as a way to continue using what had long been shipping's favorite fuel, heavy fuel oil, instead of lower sulfur alternatives. For makers of scrubbers and the shipping companies that use them, the devices are a sustainable way to continue using heavy fuel oil. They prevent sulfur pollution, and experts say the fuel actually has lower CO2 than the very low sulfur fuel that was developed to replace it in ships without scrubbers. But three years after the scrubber cap was imposed, environmentalists remain concerned about other pollution associated with scrubbers. Lucy Gilliam, a senior shipping policy officer at environmental nonprofit Seas at Risk, told me that scrubbers aren't the way to deal with sulfur pollution. We should be switching to cleaner fuels. So our position is that, come on, you know, let's let's be real about this. We've we've now seen all this other information that's come out, studies on on the toxic impacts of scrubber waste discharge. We've got various ports around the world that are banning scrubber waste discharge um, in their areas. So why not just let's be done with it? Let's just ban them and get rid of them now. Scrubber Industry Group Exhaust Gas Cleaning System Association, or EGCSA, sees it differently. In an email to me, Director Donald Gregory described the environmental group's claims as sensationalist. Last year, 
the Danish Hydraulic Institute carried out a toxicological report commissioned by the Scrubber Group that found that scrubber discharge's risk to the marine environment is at an acceptable level. So now to the legal question. Why do environmental groups believe that the scrubber exception in IMO 2020 is in conflict with the law of the sea? That convention goes back even further than 2020 to 1982 and provides a legal framework to protect the ocean environment. The environmental groups point to a number of provisions in the law of the sea that they say conflict with the scrubber exemption in the global sulfur cap. Among them is an obligation by member states not to transfer pollution from one area to another and not to transform one type of pollution into another. And the groups say scrubbers effectively do that, taking sulfur oxide emissions from the air and discharging them into the ocean as harmful sulfur compounds. Gregory, head of the scrubber industry group, told me in an email that the EGCSA cannot comment on that legal argument. But he said, using the UN law of the sea as a tool to ban high sulfur fuel oil is a strategy that is both ill thought out and counterproductive. The environmental groups claim that even though some scrubbers are closed-loop systems that do not discharge in sensitive areas, those systems ultimately still pollute the ocean, just in higher concentrations. Sam Davin is a senior specialist for marine conservation and shipping at the World Wildlife Fund Canada. He was speaking during a webinar by the Clean Arctic Alliance. All scrubbers, whether they're open loop, closed loop, or hybrid systems, they all emit polluting effluent that contains heavy metals, nitrates, and polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, or PAHs, that can accumulate in the environment and the food web and can negatively affect water quality, marine life, and those who depend on the ocean for food security, economic security, or cultural practices. Davin said the effluent from open loop systems can have acidity between pH 3 and pH 5 which is far more acidic than the average pH 8.1 for surface seawater. In areas with high scrubber use, he said their impact on seawater acidity can be more significant than ocean acidification caused by carbon dioxide emissions. Idemaya Hasselov is a professor of maritime environment at Chalmers University of Technology in Sweden. She told the Clean Arctic Alliance webinar that a study using data recorded in 2018 found that contaminant loads in the Baltic Sea from 99 ships with scrubbers, mainly the open-loop variety, dominated loads of key contaminants in the waste streams from more than 8,000 ships. Those included trace elements like nickel, selenium, vanadium, and zinc as well as chemicals known as polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons. Many more ships have since installed scrubbers. And Hasselhoff said toxicological tests by the EU-funded Emerge project, which is still underway, have found that scrubber water exposure had negative impacts on several organisms at different life stages. For example, sea urchins, copepods, mussels, and microalgae have been shown to have negative responses. And the concentrations tested uh, between 0.001% and 40% have all resulted in, uh, in negative effects. And this is uh, uh, a bit surprising that uh, even though for, for every new round of, uh, of experiments with uh, further dilutions, the ecotoxicologists have still not found uh, an uh, concentration that is so low that it does not give an, uh, a negative effect. However, that differs from the findings of the Danish Hydraulic Institute. 
It found no toxicity in fish and only found toxicity in some tests with algae and crustaceans when there were high concentrations of the contaminants. Environmental groups also pointed to higher levels of other air pollutants from scrubbers, including carbon dioxide and black carbon. But Gregory of the EGCSA pointed to a 2017 report by the International Council on Clean Transportation that said that scrubbers can actually reduce black carbon. He also pointed to a Canadian submission at the IMO that ranks scrubbers as a better way to reduce black carbon than switching to distillate fuels, even though environmental groups have pointed to distillates as the preferred near-term solution for black carbon. And Gregory pointed to research by consultancy CE Delft, which found that ships with scrubbers have a 5% lower CO2 footprint compared to ships using low-sulfur fuel oil. Here is Gregory speaking at a Safety for Sea virtual forum last year. IMO has regulated SOX emissions by specifying fuel sulfur content. This has had the unfortunate effect of increasing global emissions of CO2 caused by shipping. Here's more on the environment and the business of the ocean. Last week, the Green Seas newsletter reported on a Dutch submission to the IMO that described scrubber inspections that found certification and documentation deficiencies, and that vessel crew members lacked familiarity with the sulfur cleaning systems. Donald Gregory, director of the EGCSA, has since told us that the scrubber industry group's members were surprised by the issues highlighted in the document. He said that the companies monitor or are aware of their system's performance and have not found any significant indication of operational problems. But he said, EGCSA members have agreed that they should identify additional channels to inform engineers and officers on board ships. And he said, the Scrubber Group's members have agreed to expedite development of a standardized system to make data available to surveyors and inspectors that is quick, easy, and searchable. After the IMO made progress toward adopting more ambitious decarbonization targets for shipping, this week's Green Seas newsletter laid out the array of moving parts under consideration at the UN Shipping Regulator. UCL Energy Institute Associate Professor Tristan Smith told us that if the IMO sets a strong 2030 target in addition to a zero emission target for 2050, it will require a tightening of the new Carbon Intensity Indicator Regulation and tougher enforcement and International Chamber of Shipping Deputy Secretary General Simon Bennett said he saw more support at the IMO for the Shipowners Group's proposal of a greenhouse gas levy, or contribution as the association is calling it, alongside a reward for using low or zero carbon fuels. The beauty of that system is that by targeting um, the funding that's raised to the first movers, the number of which realistically will be initially small in the initial years of, of implementation. That allows you to achieve the objective of reducing the price gap with conventional fuels, but in a way that allows you also to keep the quantum of the contribution relatively low in order to get the political agreement we need and, and overcome the concerns, the legitimate concerns amongst developing countries about the impacts of um, increasing fuel prices on um, the economies of states. But Smith said that even more meaningful will be a proposed fuel standard that ratchets down the carbon intensity that is allowed in fuels, in line with whatever targets the IMO sets when it revises its strategy in July. Industry obsesses about carbon pricing, but the package and the policy that is most likely to drive a fuel transition 
is actually a fuel standard. And, that, and that's got broad support at the IMO, but it's very kind of under-discussed or under, under-debated in industry circles. Read that story on tradewindsnews.com. Visit tinyurl.com slash greenseas4 to get our newsletter delivered to your inbox or to subscribe to the podcast. Music for this episode was by Dave Fox from Pixabay. <laughs>